right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. You don't got time for that. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Adam Drovetta on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. We are brought to you by T-Mobile. T-Mobile. You can chat, share, and stream on America's 5G network. And guess what? Unlimited 5G is included in all plans at T-Mobile at no extra cost. T-Mobile covering more people and places than anyone else. Uh, guess what today is the anniversary of? Well, it's the 11th. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody winning the Masters? No, it's actually the one-week anniversary oh, of okay. KU winning the title. Oh, we're going by years. Yes, it's been a week <laughs> since Kansas. What a glorious since week. Kansas defeated North Carolina, seventy-two to sixty-nine, in epic comeback fashion. You know who never had a doubt about it was your wife Stacy. No, she did not. Ah, huh? I think she had doubts. She just was, you know, pretty damn confident when you. Yeah, left. she was. Um, had the parade over the weekend. A lot of people got out there, enjoyed it. Um. It was, I don't know, I, I think uh, cool to see Bill Self in the 1959, what was it, Camaro, that Larry that Brown, 57, 57 either way, whatever yeah, it, was, it, was, it was. It was the same one, Larry Brown, Self in 08, and Self in 22. Mm-hmm. And um, you had Mitch Lightfoot pounding the beer. You had Brian Haney hitting the, the shot on the basket that somebody put up there as they're moving by. Uh, I don't know, just a, kind of a cool time, kind of a cool event, and... You know, if you enjoyed it, I hope you did. Um, I hope you made it out there. I hope you got to see. Um, but yeah, I, I actually rewatched the game over the weekend. I found a a link on a site that I don't know how legal it was. I'm still waiting for somebody to put up a. Yeah, you're waiting on YouTube. Yeah, I know, and I, I'm waiting for somebody to put up a replay with the radio broadcast. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That'll be my third viewing whenever that happens because I know they did that with the 08 game. I'd love for that to happen with the uh, 2022 game. Um, and I rewatched it, and and as I was watching it back, I think if and I get it when you give out Final Four MOP, it's not just for the title. It's Final Four plus the title game, so both games matter. And Remy Martin had just three points in the Final Four semifinal game yeah. against Villanova, so it essentially eliminated him from winning the award unless he would have gone for like 30 in the title game against North Carolina. Um, so I get why he didn't win it. But if an MVP was given for just that one game, you still could argue, Dave. I, I'm not going to go against that. But I think you could have a very, very, very strong argument that for just that one specific game in the title game, it would have been Remy Martin. Yeah, I'd probably still go Dave, but I, I, that's not to underplay what Remy did. I mean, he had fourteen. Um, they were all. I mean, every point that game was huge. Mm-hmm. And he only won by three. Um, I think real, he had eleven back, of the fourteen in the second half. Back to the parade, though. Before we get into this, I yeah. want to say. I was kind of disappointed, and I'm sure they had their reasons. Uh, in 08, they had a parade that went to um, 
and and wound up at Allen Fieldhouse where they kind of had a ceremony and people watch. You know, in I, I wonder why they didn't do that this year. I'm, I'm, I'd be interested to hear a reason. I'm sure they had a reason. Maybe just logistically, it wasn't possible with parking and everything. That's entirely maybe that what that was why. Um, maybe that was there a, a ball game Sunday, like a baseball game Sunday afternoon. There Ho- might have at, been at Hoagland. If there's a ball game at Hoagland, that would explain it. Um, but anyway, I just I wanted to make that note. Now, but that's just a very small. The parade itself, though, uh, and it was it, you could watch it in way different, you know, tons of different fashions. If you weren't able to make it, they broadcasted it on the website, so they had they gave great access to it. So the event itself was cool. I'm just interested in, in why that decision was mm-hmm. made, how it was made. But regardless, the parade was was really really cool. And, yeah. Um, I think one of those things that I, be, knowing me as I do, I probably would bring my kids to Mass Street at midnight after a national championship, but I understand if you didn't, and that was a really cool thing to bring your kids to, uh, if, if, you know, you know, it is a more kind of family appropriate right. time, so you're not running around with a bunch of drunks and interesting smelling cigarettes. <laughs> Um, yeah, Remy Martin was having a, a great time. Vibes were immaculate. I, I saw one TV interview he did where, you know, it, it was like his second TV interview, and he's like, you know, I, I'm i just trying to enjoy this. Can I get back to this? <laughs> it was basically like that. All right, um, real quick, but to the point, sorry, see, if you had some more about the parade, go for no, it. No, I, well, I, I wanted just wanted to, to get back to Remy, and that was my yeah, transition to do so. Here's my, here's my theory. Can't, self knew that they would be successful against Villanova, it was all he he purposely designed a game plan to keep it away from Remy because he didn't want his number going up in the rafters. <laughs> no, I, I'm joking. Clearly, yeah. I mean, look, he was um, it, he had that uh, a left handed layup to mm-hmm. bring it to. The reason I would give it to Dave is because he was the only one to score. Now, part look, this was part of the game plan, and Remy can only execute the game plan he's given. Um, but he, uh, but the reason I would give it to Dave was because, primarily, I guess the reason I would tip the scales toward him is because he was the only one to score after KU went down the second time. Once it became sixty nine sixty eight, mm-hmm. Dave was the only one to score. But Remy made he had obviously the the crazy the the great. I mean, it wasn't like acrobatic, but it was a really great shot from the corner. He had two good shots from the corner, didn't he? Um, one to give KU their first lead of the game, or not their first lead of the game, but their first lead since the comeback at fifty three fifty, and I can't remember the exact. Yeah, score, I've got all of them in front of me. But at one point, it, it was to extend the score from two to four. He had a really great left handed layup. Well, so here's here's all the shots he made in the second half because he had eleven points in the second half. He had fourteen for the game. He banked in that three in the first half. Oh, that that was the one. Yeah, that was the one that put him over two thousand points. Yes, exactly. So uh, KU's tied fifty fifty. 10-23 to go in the game. Remy Martin hits a corner three. That, like you said, give Kansas their first lead since the first half, early in the first half. Um, then with 7-20 to go, Remy Martin makes another corner three. This was after KU got up 56-50. North Carolina goes on a 7-1 run, and it's tied at 57. Remy hits that big three with 7-20 left to make it 60-57 to okay, KU okay. again. Then... Um, it's 63-61, and that awesome left-handed layup that he gets through contact, I think it was over Armando Baycott, makes it 65-61 with 4.13 to go. Remy again, it's tied 65-all. North Carolina's on a 4-0 spurt, 
and he has that step back with the, the shot clock winding down. You almost threw the ball away. Christian Brown tracks it down. It works around to Remy at the right wing, and he steps back on Armando Baycott, hits kind of a tilted back three. That made it 68-65 with 2.39 to go. Mm -hmm. Those were huge shots, and yes, Dave still had the biggest shots of the game when you look at time and score and, and what they did, um, but again, like watching back the game, all those plays by Remy Martin were huge, like haymaker-type plays, and watching back in the game also, like again, I, I don't want to like kind of, you know, I don't know, poo on the parade, I guess, be the third in the punch bowl. There were a lot of offensive rebounds. Because, again, North Carolina was plus 20 on the glass in this game. I remember going, I, I drove, I've, I've told the story multiple times, uh, not just on these airwaves, but to, to friends. Um, but, I, you know, I drove to Gardner and, you know, the game ended and I came back. I was listening to the, to the post game and, and Gurley, I just remember, at one point, he he was he was they were reading him off, and I was like, "Yeah, this and that, and this and that." And Gurley then goes, "They out rebound. They got twenty more. They out rebound this <laughs> yeah. by twenty. Yeah, they had they had twenty four offensive rebounds. KU had twenty seven defensive rebounds. So they almost got fifty percent of their misses. And That's crazy again, like David McCormick was great. I think he deserved Final Four MOP. But again, if we're just saying if it was for the one game, I think given the fact that there were a lot of those rebounds that if you watch back, you're going to see, oh, that might have been Dave not boxing out, including But he got the, the one play he needed most. He did, but the one that Brady Manick tipped back in to, yeah, 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 to give him the that lead. That was on yep. Dave. So again, Dave deserved Final Four MOP. I know he didn't win it. I, I thought he deserved it, so I, I'm not trying to take away from that. That's just my argument of why if it was a if it was like the Super Bowl MVP where it's just one specific game, it's not based on the, the, the postseason, I think to me for that just that one specific title game, it would be Remy over Dave. Um, I, here's what I'm interested in though. What if it was? Forget if it it was a one game award because obviously, like I said, Final Four MOP is for the two games. What if it was just a full NCAA tournament award? Who do you think would win it? That's an interesting one because Remy had two bad games. Well, yeah, his, his, was it the Elite Eight or the Sweet Sixteen? I know the Final Four. So the Elite Eight, three. he was fine. He had nine points. Okay, yeah, on, yeah, yeah. on efficient shooting, but the yeah, the, the Final Four game, he only had three. three. He didn't really impact um, the game much. One last thing, I want to just to put a bow on the the title game talk. I would still go Dave. However, I think the bigger point we're trying to make is how about the fact that you can make an argument for like yeah. that? Just kind of is a perfect example of this team. And that both it goes, guys. It goes back to 08. It goes back to 08, and everyone, okay, yeah, Mario made the shot, but then you could immediately say, yeah, but in that game, Darrell Arthur went for 20 and 10. So, like, that, I think the bigger point isn't who should get it. I think the bigger point is it's it's like a, a really— it's a team sport, yeah. Well, that and, and it's this was an ultimate team. Like, it's a team sport, but this is an ultimate team that you really you could choose a lot of guys. Yeah, it wasn't Kemba Walker yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. just carrying the way. Um, as far as the, the full tournament— I mean, Remy, Remy was far and away the best player against Texas Southern, but I kind I, takeaway is not the right word. But the thing about the Texas Southern game is it wouldn't have mattered. It was a, a lot of things would have had to have happened for KU to not win that thing by fifteen, right? Mm -hmm. And so that, uh, but I so I if even but even if you begin it at the Creighton game, didn't he score twenty five against Creighton? I don't know if he had twenty five. He he got up there. Maybe it was twenty. I, I thought he scored a ton against Creighton, and and it was Texas Southern where his passing really he, he was able to show off. Yeah. Um, I can't remember exactly what he got against Creighton. I thought he got in the twenties against Creighton, but anyway, um, 
Yeah, I think if you figure everybody had a game throughout a game or two throughout the tournament that um, they they didn't kind of live up to their their typical numbers. If you factor that in, I think Remy is definitely in contention for being the MOP of Kansas for the entire tournament. Um, and you know, funnily enough, Mike like probably was the most consistent player. He never had big enough numbers to be considered most valuable or most outstanding. But Jalen Wilson was consistent mm-hmm. enough that he, he was, never shot it well, but he did so many things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could he he was a very reliable player in that game. Yeah, it was like every game you or could that, that tournament, not right. that game. You're counting on ten rebounds in every single one of those games. You were, you know, counting on him getting to ten points. Ten points again, like you said, not particularly efficiently. Mm-hmm. But um, it's funny though. Part of his inefficiency was almost forgiven because he got so many of his own misses on, on offensive rebounds. So his in yeah, you want a more efficient thing, but then you could look at it and say he probably got six points on missing his own shots. So then you could say, all right. It would have been more efficient shooting, but then his rebound numbers would have been bad, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, not bad, but lesser. So I, yeah, Remy led KU in scoring in the first game against Texas Southern. He had 15 of them. He was also tied for the team lead with four assists. In the second game against Creighton, he led the team with 20 points. Oh, just 20. All right. He also had seven rebounds, though. Samsonite, I was way off. And again, he was tied for the team lead with four assists. Uh, Providence game. Remy had he also, 23 quick, points. Was it Providence? Uh, I'm, like, I'm thinking of Providence yeah. then. When he scored 23. Also had and, seven rebounds. And Providence. And led the team with three assists. After, I can't remember, somebody missed a shot, and he came back down and took a charge, and that was huge. Yeah, yeah that was when I think Providence was up one. You missed a shot, and you had to get a stop there, and you did. And uh, you took that big charge, like yeah. you said. Um, he had nine points in the Elite Eight game, also had six rebounds. He was second on the team with, no, he was well below that with two assists. But he was also four of nine, so not bad. So yeah, the Villanova game was moment, the one bad game. His biggest moment in the uh, Providence or in the Miami game was he hit a, a straightaway three that kind of ended it, not ended it, but like he, he hit a straightaway three, I think, to increase the lead from fourteen to seventeen or eleven to fourteen, something like that. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, we're going to take a timeout here. When we come back, we'll get to our daily poll. I'm going to kind of take a further deep dive into some of these numbers as well for if there was a MVP awarded for the entire tournament, who would win it for KU. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Welcome back here to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN with Adam Dravetta. I am Derek Johnson. And uh, coming up later on in the show, we're going to be joined by David Lesky. He'll join us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. We're going to talk Royals with him. There's a Royals game going on Royals, right now. Royals, real quick, it's 4-4 uh, four to four Royals in the uh, top of the 7th. So um, still a chance it goes to 35 innings, and we are not. We can't have Lesky on at 5, but we hope. Um, no, we'll have him on at 5. At that point, we'll have him <laughs> on, and you know we're going to we're gonna talk what the hell is going on um, at that point. So it's 4-4, four to four, top of the 7th, 2 outs. 
Uh, Cleveland has a man on second. The Royals, I believe, were down two to nothing at one point, or maybe even four to one. I don't think it ever got to four nothing. Regardless, uh, it is now the Royals have come back to tie it at four apiece. So we will uh, see. Uh, Carlos Hernandez was in a whale of a situation in the first inning, and then I don't know if he got out of it. I missed how they got out of it. I just saw him get into the situation and then had to get to work on some other things. Uh, so I don't know if Hernandez got himself out or if they had to bring in a different pitcher. If that was the case, it would be the second game in a row in which the starter did not make it out of the first, but I think Hernandez made it out of the first. All right, so uh, we'll talk more Royals with David Lesky. We've also got our case of the Mondays coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. I, I do um, want to note the uh, Royals, I believe... Uh, despite being two and one, are tied for dead last in the American League in run differential because they got smoked by thirteen runs yesterday. Yeah, they're Pythagorean. Fourteen runs. They're Pythagorean says they should be zero and three right now, but it's just kind of funny how that works. We'll talk about that more with David Lesky. But again, case of the Mondays in the four o'clock hour, we're gonna uh, play some uh, KU football audio coming up later in the show. The spring game was over the weekend. We're gonna do some spring football game uh, quick takeaways as well and. Uh, we're also going to look ahead to RCST Trivia. That starts up tomorrow, so that's exciting. This will be the first time Adam has participated in RCST Trivia from this side of it. Yeah, on this side of it. I've been, uh, I lost uh, in the first round in, uh, I think it was 19. It would have been 20, because that was the first year we did it with uh, the COVID season, sadly. Really? Yep. How time I didn't realize flies. I did it during or the pandemic. Or doesn't fly. I don't know. Um. I just know that the day I did it was one of the many days um, that, um, oh, uh, DQ boy, uh, the old DQ. AD. <laughs> Jeff Long. Jeff Long was in What is the story there, by the way? Because I've heard him referred that way multiple uh, he times. He tweeted, I love and I'm uh, sure do enjoy in our local, our great local restaurants or something. And he tweeted a picture of That's himself. Right. Outside. And look, man, I love DQ chicken oh fingers as much gosh. as the next guy, next guy. But who considers DQ a local, <laughs> a local <laughs> restaurant? Anyway, that was one of the, just one of those things where he was in such a heap that that was just piling on at that point. But anyway, I remember the day that I participated, um, I, uh, was so prepared and ready for this because it was another one of the many other reasons Jeff Long was in the news for not good reasons, um, Nick said, all right, Adam, how are you today? And I just, so better than Jeff Long, man. And that's how we uh, got started. Jeff Long got the final laugh, though, because I was ousted that day from the tournament. You think Jeff Long got the final laugh? <laughs> I don't think he did. I don't think he did at all. Uh, I, I went to, uh, by the way, I went to, this was kind of fun, cool little story, I guess. I don't know. It's not really much of a story. I went to... Um, Kansas rugby game over the weekend. We had on Andy and, Stewart. Yeah, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, on gosh, what Wednesday or whatever of of last week. I think we wound up having him twice because we had the the funniness with the baseball. Yeah, and uh, went to the game. They played both Saturday and Sunday. They had to win both games to advance to nationals. And a uh, little spoiler to that, they did. They won both games, so they're moving on to nationals. I which, don't think it counts if it's a if it's a sporting event. 
If it's a movie, it counts as spoiler. I don't think you can spoil yeah, a that's sporting true. event. Yeah, that's true. You should know. If like you, if, if, unless it's a tape delay. Like, if you went to the U.S. Well, I just, I just meant to this story. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, I didn't want to. Okay. But anyway. Yes, they are going to Nationals. So, they're going to Nationals, and that's exciting. You heard Andy last week saying that um, it's possible that the National game could get televised. So that would be a really big deal. Yeah, because it would be like the pregame of another big rugby event right yeah it would um before like a professional rugby match is basically how it would work on their same facility so like awesome stuff and they're going on and, and they're going to make it so i went uh after the spring game you know we did a kind of a dual broadcast with klwn and kiss uh at the spring game then went watched covered the spring game got all the audio that stuff and then scurried over to the rugby match and uh man that was so much fun it, it was I, I didn't know what to expect going in because, uh, you know, it's a club sport. Like, it, it doesn't have all the attention necessarily of KU with the, you know, the limelight and um, being able to promote stuff maybe mm-hmm. the same way. So I, I didn't know, like, how many people were going to be there. It's just going to be some family and friends. It was a party, man. It was outside. Everybody was having Lauren a good time shows sitting out. down. You know where oh, Lauren, Lauren shows out really well weekly for the, um, for the Parks and Rec? This isn't affiliated with KU, but... Lawrence does a great job showing out weekly for the Parks and Rec kickball leagues. So Lawrence, that's kind of cool. I didn't. Yeah, know that. yeah. Lawrence, Lawrence ain't afraid to to get down and enjoy themselves for some club sports. Yeah, and they went out. Um, like I said, there were a ton of people there. It was all outside. Everybody's sitting down, having a good time. You know, maybe enjoying a beverage or so. Um, just having a fun time watching this game. And you know, I, you would hear a lot of people being like, "Okay, so what's going on there? What's what's the rules?" And um, I actually, you know, shout out to Rick Renfro with with Johnny's uh, Tavern in, in North Lawrence, and um, I got to kind of watch some of the game with him, and, and he's like a rugby expert. He goes down to you know all the different World Cup events and stuff in South Africa. Watches the All so Blacks. He, he knows what he's talking about, right? Yeah, and uh, so it was cool kind of getting to know like you know what what's all going on because you get kind of a general gist, and that's fun too. Like you're watching the game, and you may not understand all the rules, but as you see it happening, you start to pick things up. It's like how I'd imagine you're in like a, a foreign country and you start picking up some of the language, right? Yeah, yeah. Um and he was explaining stuff to me. It was awesome. I met Shane Bieber's parents were there Fantastic. watching the game. Yeah, obviously Shane Bieber the of the Cleveland Guardians. Why? It, um they were playing in Kansas City. They came out for the game and, and I don't they know, they have some that, tie. They have some tie I mean, to I, I understand why they were in right, this right, right, area. Right. I'm wondering why they came to Lawrence. They have some or, tie to, I don't I don't know if he has a sibling that goes to KU or if they just know Rick from another, you know, venture or something. But that was kinda cool. It was, it was a good time, like I said. So awesome to them and uh I hope that, you know, they do well. I don't I forget if it was two teams or four teams that made it to national. It's in Arlington, I know that. Awesome for them and uh I'd be interested to I, I know He's he's already been on, and the Cleveland Guardians are about to take a six to four lead. By the way, um, so since we started yammer and they've scored twice, um, I I'm interested. I'd be interested to know, and I don't know if Weber will, Andy will come back on because uh, I know we we, we want to feature as many of these club teams as possible, and they've already been on twice. I'd be interested to know if they would ever want if if the opportunity presented itself, if they'd ever want to play at Memorial Stadium. Or if, like soccer players, rugby players prefer natural grass over uh, turf. Hmm, that's a good question. I would imagine you'd rather be on grass. Uh, just I fall. mean, yeah. If, I would imagine you'd rather be on whatever surface you're used to. Yeah. Okay. I have crunched the numbers. They are all in front of me from the NCAA tournament. And I have spilled my coffee. Oh, are you okay? Too hot? No, I'm good. Okay, good. Um, I've only crunched the numbers. 
for seven players. I, I don't feel like it's necessary to crunch for any more. Like, I, you know. Um, so based on that, this is pretty crazy. Five players for KU averaged between 11.2 and 14 points per game in the tournament. I'm telling There's you, that balance you were talking about. This is about. a crazy balance. It really... This team is not nearly as good as the as the 2008 team, but there's freakish balance on this team, mm-hmm. similar to that 08 squad. So Remy Martin led KU during the tournament in points per game. He averaged 14 a game, which was .3 more than Ochai, .8 more than Dave, two more than Jalen, and almost three more than Christian. If you had, there were probably four guys. If you counted Remy, like once once you saw that great run through the Big 12 tournament and through the NCAA tournament. If you could just pick, it got to the point where if you could just pick a game, um, there were probably four guys on this team that if you said, hey, you missed the game, but this guy scored 20 plus points, you wouldn't be surprised. Like if Brown, if Christian put up 20 plus, you wouldn't have been surprised. Ochai, Dave, and and then Remy once the tournament got going. That that team was, I mean, I don't know. It, it really. It was so fun to to watch, and um, that what you just read off is just a perfect example. And I think Jalen, did you say Jalen was part of that list? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. thing about Jalen is what he he never had the downside throughout the tournament. Like he never had a two point game or a three point game, uh, but he also never had an eighteen or twenty point game. Well, okay, so here's all the numbers for everyone. So Ochai was thirteen and a half points per game, four and a half rebounds. He also led KU in steals per game and blocks per game in the NCAA tournament. He shot forty six percent from the field, forty two from three. Free throw was only a fifty five, weird enough. He had the bad tournament game, free throw shooting wise. Um Dave averaged over thirteen points per game from the tournament. He was the team leader in field goal percentage among those seven, averaged six point three rebounds per game. As well, Jalen averaged 12 points and almost 10 rebounds per game. So that alone would make you think he's in the conversation. He also led the team in free throw percentage, 86%. um, Also over two assists per game. Here's where it falls off, though. 35% from the field, 18% from three. I still admit the three-point shooting was bad. Mm -hmm. I still would be interested if somebody could design. I'm not smart enough to do it. But if somebody could design a stat similar to effective field goal percentage, but it somehow is capable of manufacturing a stat that takes into consideration that you missed a shot but got your own rebound and uh, and proceeded to score. Not immediately, not not like you got your own rebound, kicked it out, reset the offense, and then scored, but you had an immediate putback. I'd be interested in that because Jalen scored it that way in a few different ways. Yeah, it's like it's like on base percentage. You don't get credit for, you know, a a walk on your average, but you do one on yeah, base yeah, percentage, yeah, yeah. right? Um, Remy averaged 14 points, which again led the team in the tournament. He shot 52% from the field. He led KU in three-point percentage in the tournament at 48%. He averaged just under five rebounds per game, just under three assists per game, which was third on the team, and then .5 steals. That's really good. Christian Brown was at 11.2 points per game. He led the team in assists per game in the tournament. He was second on the team in rebounds per game, 45% from the field, 44% from three. So he also, he'd be in the conversation too. I don't know this for sure, but based on replays and reading lips, mm-hmm. it appears he led the team in yelling bad words <laughs> to the opposing fans. Yeah, that was probably now, by maybe a he wasn't. Margin. Maybe he was just yelling... Thanks I for have coming an out. Itch. Yeah, exactly. Maybe he was yelling itch. Um, He's yelling you know, at Mitch Lightfoot. Yeah, Mitch. His Mitch! Name's, his name's I Mitch. I made it. His name's Mitch. Um, regardless, he uh, 
Yeah. God, I hope he comes I back. I kind of want to keep going with words, but yeah, I also I, don't. I don't know. Um, anyway, so we're going to put on the poll, our daily poll for Can't tonight. wait for the parade. I want to ride in a truck. <laughs> if an MOP was given for the entire NCAA tournament, who would win? At RCST 1320, here's your four options. Ochag Baji, David McCormick, Remy Martin, other reply below, which would probably be Christian Brown or Jalen Wilson. I'm thinking Remy and Ochai together will combine for fifty percent or more. I don't I'm not sure any one one of those choices gets to fifty percent, but I think those two will will um will uh together will be over fifty. I would vote Remy. Who would you vote for? After what you just read, I would vote Remy as well. You could make it's funny because you could make based on the real stats though that Christian should be the answer. But there was never one individual game where you said he was that yeah. game's MVP. Although he he like he was second or third every yeah, time. Exactly. You know? It's like on aggregate, it might yeah, be yeah, Christian. Yeah, it might be him. Like might you be. gave like five points to the number one yeah. MVP and four points to the second MVP. He would have ground up enough points. Um, that's that's interesting. Uh, but he had big moments himself. He had the. Um, I mean, the beginning of the second half in the title game was a mm-hmm. lot. Him. He had. Um, the only three may up to that point. He hit the first three of the game for Kansas against Miami. Um, I was watching that. I, I rewatched. I, I haven't able to uh, haven't been able to watch the whole game yet. Um, but I did watch the. I've watched the highlights countless number of times, and every time I watch it, I get two different thoughts at two different moments. One, I get, how did Kansas win this game, and then. Jalen gets fouled, and I think, how did Kansas not win this game by 15? <laughs> but they did. And we're they, talking they, yeah, about they won it, it by three. I just awesome. I keep thinking, I'm like, so in, in the same game you go, they shouldn't have won this game, and then you have another moment with nine minutes left where you're going, they should have won this game by a lot more than three. What a roller coaster of a game. Maybe a perfect encapsulation of the season. All right, we're going to take a timeout when we come back. The spring preview or spring game, whatever you want to call it, was over the weekend. We're going to have some uh, takeaways coming up on the other side. This is Rock Truck Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. About a quarter till four here on Rock Truck Sports Talk. And uh, if you want to vote on that poll at RCST 1320. Uh, the spring preview was over the weekend. Very quickly, I want to tell mm-hmm. a story. Yes. Um, I did my my, uh, my mother, my father, a couple for some friends of theirs, and uh, my sister and brother-in-law, all of us participated in a trivia event. Mm, fun. Um, we have a trivia event. Yes, tomorrow. yes. This was, a, this was more of a bar-type trivia thing where you write down the answers mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. So whatever. It was a fun little night. Um, I messed up i goofed uh, uh in the last round because uh it was what's the what was the 10th number in the fibiachi uh se- sequence oh how which, could you not know that well no i did know it the problem is i didn't in- i didn't include <laughs> I it, was the Fibi- fibonacci sweet sequence starts with zero not one so i goofed oh, of course so i was off by course. one i knew that i knew that um it's a very it's a simple i'll teach you yeah, yeah. it's a no, really to be taught I know it's it. a I know super it. I know it's that. a super yeah. simple pattern to learn. nonetheless yeah. um the uh uh um. So the trivia event, there was a question, it was, and the the category was national champions, and it was all about like it was all like who was the first 
college football national champions, which for the record, it was a tie between Princeton and Rutgers. Um, you know, who, which school has the most national championships? Uh, that's Stanford, um, et cetera, et cetera. So all these um, questions. And one of them was, what was, now I'm going to give you the question the same way it was given to us. What was the name of the movie about 19, about Texas Western's 1966 season in which they had a magical run and their only loss was to Kentucky in the national championship game. So they wanted the name of the movie. It's fine. It's glory. Yeah. It's glory road. However, I Kansas beat them technically. Yeah, that's right. So jo- Jojo now, White. Yeah, uh, so it should have been Kansas yeah. beat them. Um, so however, didn't step on the line. I uh, I said I said they beat Kentucky in that game to the MC, and he and adamantly no they didn't they lost to Kentucky and I go no they famously beat Kentucky to win that game it was the first team ever with an all black starting lineup to win not lose an NCAA championship game and anyway whatever I I say what I say time moves on he's looking things up and as he's reading back the answers after everybody's turned in their sheets of paper. He goes and he comes up to our table. He goes, "I want to. I want to note. I stand corrected. You were right. Um, Texas Western did win that game." And then he got all huffy because, and I didn't know. Maybe I struggle with interaction with other humans. I only landed on this planet ten or so years ago, <laughs> so I guess I'm still struggling in that regard. But um, he got all huffy because when he said, "You were right." Um, Texas Western won that game over Kentucky. I just said, I know. And he and he just, well, do you want to run this thing? And I'm like, no. But when I know I'm right, I know I'm right. I mean, I'm, I'm not pretending like I know everything in the world, but when I insist I'm right, I'm telling you I'm right. It's like when I insist that I'm right, you can take it to the bank like Bill Self saying if I'm not mistaken. You can take it to the bank. But anyway, so that was, um, that was a fun little, uh, fun little weekend. Well, uh, if that happens to us, which inevitably it probably will, there will be one time at some point during the trivia turn. I hope not, but like that we probably mess up a question. And if that happens, we apologize. We'll try to get it fixed. Uh, we'll hook you up with some, you know, free prizes. Yeah, if, if we, if we screw up, uh, you get something. Well, we hope we'll, yeah, try, to, we'll yeah. try to get something free. But hopefully it doesn't happen. Yeah, hopefully we're just better. dead on with everything. Okay, so the spring preview was over the weekend. Honestly, the biggest takeaway, Chris Tehan has a cannon. Dude. He, uh, I don't know if you saw this. They, they, I yes, I wouldn't quite put him in the. Uh, everybody's heard my uh, my theory on throwing a football versus slinging pig. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure he's ready to be called a sling a uh, pig slinger, but um, the guy can throw a football. Yes, he can. Um, lefty. It was weird. I uh, apparently he was a receiver in high school. Dude, what a. I think he went to Rockhurst. I don't know who the Rockhurst head coach is. I don't know if he Tony to the Severino. Show. All right, Tony been, Severino. Well, he would have been his head coach. Uh, Kelly Donahoe coaches now. He went. Uh, Severino was. Uh, on a side note, I would put Severino and uh, Steve Rampy, who at one point coached Lawrence, is probably one and one A as the greatest high school football coaches in Kansas City history. So he, mm. Severino was, would have been Tian's coach. Well. Maybe we should reevaluate that because why would this this dude not a quarterback? Dude, cannon from T. Dude, maybe maybe so Severino retired and everyone just assumed he was going out on his own terms because he won a heap of state titles for Rockers, but maybe he was secretly fired 
because the AD said, you mm-hmm. didn't make this kid quarterback. That was a massive <laughs> mistake. <laughs> yeah, that's why. You're out of here, Tony. But in, in all seriousness, like uh, in the spring game, I, I thought that, I mean, the biggest headlines are going to come from the quarterback, you know, Chris Tehan or the other quarterbacks. <laughs> um, I thought Jason Bean looked pretty shaky throwing the ball early. I thought it improved as the game went on. He still, though, looks like one of the fastest guys on the field. Jalen Daniels, I thought, looked really good early. Um, he had a couple of really nice bullet throws and tight windows. Uh, there was one, I think it was against a cover two, and you kind of have that that um, zone between the safety who's playing deep, who has, you know, you have the two safeties who split the two sides of the field. You have the corner who's covering kind of the, the front part. And he had a receiver run a vertical route down the sideline. So if you're going to throw it to that guy, you have to fit it in tightly between that window. And it was a bullet throw that he got it in there. I forget if it was to, I think it was Trevor Wilson. Um, he had another one over the middle of post route that was beautiful. You know who was great at throws like that, hmm. beating deep zones like that? Um, I hate, is, is an enemy, but I, because I hate bringing him up, but Chase Daniel. Uh, Gary Pinkle had this beautiful play where he, he had his four wide receivers to one side, and depending on the call, they would either line up in a dime, a group, a, a bunch diamond or a bunch square, all right in a square or a diamond, right in the same grouping with each other, um, which kind of worked to confuse the the zone and which where each guy was going because he didn't know which wide receiver was going to run which route. But anyway, Chase Daniel was immaculate at 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 cutting through uh, zones with with routes like that. Well, he had a couple. Um, it did feel like though there were a few times where maybe he got a little too risky with it, a little too dangerous. And again, this is. You know, trying to pick things out of something that um, is a very condensed. It's a, it, it's hard to have too many takeaways from a situation like this. But um, kind of felt similar to the West Virginia game. Like he played well against West Virginia, but a couple picks you you wish you could have back. I I'll be honest though, like watching those two between Daniels and Bean, I know they'll tell you it's a it's a competition, and and that's part of just. I think more than anything, um, one you're you're trying to avoid somebody transferring. Two, you are, you know, just. Like you are having an open mind, and and if Jason Bean does start to play like Unreal and Jalen Daniels struggles a little bit, then yeah, Jason Bean of course could could end up being the starter. But I think right now it's it's pretty hard not to see Jalen Daniels being the starting quarterback. And to be honest, it, it wasn't really close watching um, just just from the passing element. Like Jason Bean adds so much more running the ball, and that does matter. But just from the passing element. Jalen Daniels looked looked pretty good. Um, like I said, Bean looked like the fastest player on the field at sometimes, and it's it's going to be hard not to at least have a special package for Jason Bean for him to come in and kind of utilize that game changing speed. Like if you're one of the fastest players on the team, it's hard to just completely keep you off the field. But yeah, I, I did feel like Jalen Daniels had a a nice edge up. Do you think there's any situation in which I doubt it because I think more likely is he would just transfer um, or remain the backup, but Kerry Meyer, who, to be clear, nowhere near as fast as as uh, Bean, but Meyer, when it was clear that Reesing was the guy, Kerry Meyer um, just kind of wanted to help, and he said, "What can I do?" And he wound up as kind of his hybrid tight end wide receiver thing, and he was clearly never going to be a wide receiver good enough to play in the NFL. Although I do think the Falcons snagged him in like the sixth round, um, but I, I just I, I'm interested if that would ever be an option or if Bean is just dead set on being a quarterback, which if he is, I can't blame him. Um, but I just want to throw that out there, that there is precedent in KU football history. Again, that was four or five regimes ago. Um, and Kerry Meyer was not 
anywhere as fast as Bean. So maybe you want that speed coming out of the quarterback position for some certain packages, like you said, but I just want to throw it out there. Yeah. Um, uh, other takeaways beyond that, running backs rotated a lot. Um, I guess Tory Lachlan's back. I did not expect him to be back that soon. I mean, he had like an Achilles injury, so good on him that he's back. That just adds to the depth of the running back room. Um, I think um, Leipold in the postgame kind of noted he didn't want that a big goal. Um, I don't want to – we're going to play Leipold audio later. I don't want to put words in the guy's mouth. So let me just say my interpretation of a lot of Leipold's comments post-scrimmage were – a lot of their goals were avoiding injury. Yeah. Let me put it that way. So I'm saying that to say I don't know if the if the running back ro- as deep as they are at running back, I don't know if the running back rotation you saw Saturday will be like the running back rotation you see in the fall. Yeah, who knows? Um also we saw a couple defensive players make some nice plays. Uh Lonnie Phelps looked pretty good out there, the transfer coming in from Miami of Ohio. Cole Mondi, how about that? Twenty third Street Brewery's own. LHS's own Colmondi got in there a little bit, made a tackle, so that was cool to see. Um, but I think the biggest takeaway, this is something that you noted before the show. This is something that Lance Leipold said in, in the postgame audio, and again, we're going to share that for you later in the show. We'll have this one clip that will give a little tease to it. Uh, this is both remarkable from like a <laughs> bad way from the past regime and... Regimes! Yes, yes, and also a, I guess, a very big positive of you know, steps up for what KU is taking and also makes you, I don't know, understand the past records a little bit more. And Once you, you hear this, you're going to yeah. go, oh, okay. Hey, just play the clip. You know, talking to our players is they haven't had really mandatory weight room time after spring ball here before in their careers, which was surprising to us. So, you know, we, we've still got to get more time in that weight room. Now we gave up some things on the front end, and uh, we've got to maximize that here on, on, the, on the back half of the semester and help propel us into the summer. All right, let's reiterate that in case you did not understand what just happened. There. They didn't have required strength and conditioning in the summer. Unbelievable. Now, dude. he did say, now, I would like the to know. Power the, five program. I'd like to know the details. said we had to give up some, something on the front end for that. So I would be interested in what that was. Well, yeah, because you can only keep them for a certain amount yeah, of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So I, I would, but I. So yes, I, they, but that he, seems like the most important thing to do in the off season, right? I just don't know what you're going to get. Like you, like I spring football is is big, and learning the schemes is big, but I don't know what you're going to gain. Like what whatever you have to give up on the front end, so February is not going to. I don't think outweigh what you can build from an athletic standpoint by spending time in an incredible like KU football. Has a fantastic weight weight uh, strength and conditioning facility, and like whatever you're going to learn in February, I don't think is going to outweigh what you gain in a required summer strength and conditioning program in an outstanding facility with a legitimate Division One strength and conditioning coordinator. Well, especially when you're at a school like Kansas, who like. Okay, for you're, Alabama, you're bringing in offensive linemen who are who already right out of high school. Freaks. Exactly. They're already 6'6", 320 pounds. For Kansas, you're bringing in guys who might have been tight ends in well, high yeah, school, you, right? You need to recruit them. They have them. the frame, but you're trying to build them up 50 yeah, pounds. Yeah, and you need to recruit them looking at their parents. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, he looks like this when he's 18, but his dad is enormous, so I bet between 18 and 22 he'll have a growth spurt, and we need to get him crushing um, protein powder <laughs> shakes and getting in the weight room. 
Yeah. So that is pretty remarkable. Um, and that's got to be a good thing that this team is doing that because that should help with development. That should help with KU being Just more physically adept to play in the Big Twelve. The boobery of KU football of KU football coaches and and the whole program since the day Mangino was fired in 09 has been stunning. And that's what's so amazing but about the tire. At least one time they had a coach that wouldn't let them have cell phones. <laughs> Dude, Lance Leipold, like everything about this staff, everything about this regime, it just feels so professional. It feels so... <laughs> they, just, they know what they're doing. It's, yeah, yeah. I, I am, I'm so happy that we're getting to cover this era of KU football because I, I really do think that there's going to be some really big positives ahead, and, At, and I don't know how far away we are from it. I don't think it's that far. I agree. I love the I love the hire, and I'm trying not to go too too wonky with it because I love the hire. So I, I want to attach, detach myself and leave pot the possibility that I was wrong because, and I don't want to make it seem like I'm cheering just to be right. But I love that hire, and I'm loving it every day more. Absolutely. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go. Case of the Mondays coming up next. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend-long bender? Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. All right, your case of the Mondays and RCST here brought to you by T-Mobile. T-Mobile expanded their nationwide 5G network to now cover over 80% of Americans. And just a few, in a few years, it could be up to 99% of Americans. Switch today to T-Mobile and receive an iPhone 13. No case of the Mondays if you have T-Mobile. You know who is having a case of the Mondays today? Let's start it off with Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL. The uh, USFL has debuted digital technology to see if players get a first down. And if you watch what it looks like, it's very similar to the uh, technology they have in tennis where, you know, you'll see like the challenge was the ball in or out. And they, they have this uh, kind of cool looking thing. It shows the football and, and the line and, and how far you got. Um, people have been saying for years to add this. And, and I'd imagine you can do this for the first down marker. You can do this for... Um, Where a kick return wound up at? Yeah, you could do Whether that. Whether it got you, on the, the line in the end zone. You mean a, a, a punt, like where it went out of bounds? Um, you that, but I was also thinking like where a player is down, you know, keeps him from, if he's tackled at a certain spot and he moves the ball two yards forward. Yeah, yeah. Actually you could just have it on every play. Yeah, you yeah, could yeah, have yeah. it on, did he cross the goal line or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is awesome. People have been clamoring for this for years and, and I've never seen, like, the response as to why they haven't. Like, clearly, the NFL has a bunch of money. Clearly, there's the technology the, for well, it. Well, no, here's the, the thing. The, the technology used, this is really going to make you wonder why they don't do it already. The technology that is used um, is requires a chip be placed in the, in the football. They already have that in the NFL, and that's how they get all those next-gen stats where you see those commercials. It's like, this pass was here with an arc of this. Yeah. Caught 62 here with a, miles per hour. Yeah, with a two, you know, fifteen percent chance of being caught. 
um, they already put chips and footballs in uh, microchips and footballs in the NFL. So they already do that. It, and I, I don't think there's a good reason why they don't other than the officials union in the end. And, and I would assume maybe I'm wrong about this, but I would assume that the guys holding the sticks are, um, are officials and part of the officials union. And it could just very well be something as they're just so, um, such a powerful union and they don't want to cross them. That's so dumb. I, so if that's dumb, the dude. case, it's extraordinarily dumb. However, uh, the NFL saw how successful it was in the first um, first go-around of the USFL. They saw how well-received coaches' challenges were, and they've picked up on that. So it, yeah. it's possible that they'll see this and, and, and do it. Well, yeah. They, so right now, it's it's a case of the Mondays because you have this basically B-League of, of professional football who is doing something that you are not doing, which seems very easy and, again, that they should do. But yeah, you're right. I mean, we've seen this before. I know when the XFL as well, like they brought over some things that the first iteration of the XFL, like they had the sky cam and they didn't like they had different camera angles that have now been used on NFL broadcasts for years that they'll have no problem. Um, you know, it's, it's like they say in the NFL, it's a copycat league, right? And they're going to copycat other leagues as well to put that together. So I would imagine this is probably the best first step for this to actually be implemented. For I would hope to so. do it, right? I would hope so, and I, I actually, it wouldn't surprise me. And I, I want to say about the USFL, I think they're very, very smart because um, I actually think they're going to be more successful than the last few attempts at minor leagues. And the reason I think a huge mistake all those minor leagues made were they started the week after the Super Bowl, whereas, yeah, uh, the United States is addicted to football as a nation. However, if you debut a minor league the week after the Super Bowl, it's going to be immediately recognized as as inferior talent and inferior play. However, I think now, since you've waited, you've kind of got them Jones into the point where they'll even take bad football. And so I think this actually has a better chance of, of, of getting some traction, not ever realistically competing with the NFL. But I think it has a chance of getting some traction. I chalk this and, up, and I as, think because of that, if it does get traction, I think that there's a higher chance the NFL will steal away that concept of, of a computer generated first down mark. I hope they do steal that again. I I don't know what's going to happen with this league, but it's not something I'm going to really watch. It's one of those things that it sounds cool, like you know Canadian football sounds cool to me. It's in the off season, other stuff's not happening. But when I come push to shove, it's like no, I I actually just would rather watch. You know, an we MLB a, game or we have a, a movie or something. With Canadian football, friend yeah, from college, yeah, yeah. Who's obsessed with Canadian football. No, and if football. that's your thing, like I have no problem with yeah, it. I'm yeah, not yeah, yeah. trying to be the guy who's like, you have to like this or that. Like, do you? It's just not my cup yeah, of tea. Yeah, yeah. But again, like I hope, um, I hope they do take this. One away. thing I hope the NFL steals from Canadian football is um, a wide receiver being in motion when the ball is snapped. The Chiefs would have to cancel the Tyree <laughs> Kill trade, right? Yeah, they'd, they'd have to get him back. Him back. Yeah. Could you imagine how deadly that would be? Yeah, Tyreek Hill. But Cole Hardman would all of a sudden you'd value. Need, you'd need a safety seventy yards. Back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, how about dads? Case of the Monday for dads. I mean, just in general, you might be having a case of the Mondays because you know you're a dad. You did stuff over the weekend. Um, but this weekend is really one of the greatest nap times of the year, right? And nobody likes naps more than dads. Are you referencing the Masters? I am. So. Um, your your big live action sports are done. The tournament's done. You get to the Masters. That's really when people are really tuning in to golf. Perfect nap, nap time, uh, right? So um, 
Margaret Drovetta, for those mm-hmm. of you who don't know her, I am the fruit of her womb. Mm-hmm. Uh, she always, like in the weeks leading up to the Masters, always talks about how excited she is for her Masters naps. There you go. Uh, she's not a dad. Well, she was just a parent. She's, she's a mom. Um, I just feel like it's a very dad thing to be like, again, like there's, so, you know, yeah, a mom can you, do it you, too. Yeah, but. You, 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 you doze off in the recliner. Yeah. That's a very dad thing, yeah. yes. Uh, but no, my mom, uh, big on masters on golf tournament naps. They're um, great. They're yeah. great. Because you don't, it, it, you can't take a nap during like an Elite Eight game. You wake up and the game's over or like one you of, missed all the action. One of the best uh, Sunday afternoon sporting event naps I ever took was during the Astros Braves 2005 uh, NL Division Series. Mm-hmm. I was watching it in about sixth, sixth inning, seventh inning. I doze off. And I kick awake maybe an hour, fifteen later, and I go, oh, "I wonder who that game that who won that game," and it comes back, and it's the fourteenth, <laughs> and it wound up going seventeen or eighteen. I that's, think that's great. Don't you wish you could like know that in advance, not know the result, but be like, "Hey, we're gonna play eighteen innings tonight." So if you want to nap you between go ahead these innings, go off, for it. Go for it. That'd be great. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's still always nap season now that yeah. you know it's still golf tournaments and MLB yeah, games. The, which the Sandman's working overtime during it is. golf tournament, but today. If you're a dad and, and you had your nap session over the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, you might be feeling case of the Monday state because you don't get to nap yeah, today. You you're at work. The, yeah. So uh, sorry Stanza. to you. Yeah, you have the little nap under your desk. Have the perfect setup there. Uh, how about the LA Lakers? Case of the Mondays for them, big time. They've had a lot of case of the Mondays this year. They're missing Not the playoffs. Not a case of the Mondays for Frank Vogel. He's going to get a payout. Well, you think, yeah, yeah. How do you think he views it? Because he got fired, but like you said, he's getting paid out to now leave a what at this point is a pretty disastrous situation. <laughs> they're is that a positive. Yeah, they're struggling, man. Um, I would be happy to get fired for two million dollars. I'd be thrilled well, too. But also, when you're an NBA head coach and you have one of thirty jobs and you're making millions to coach anyway, I, I think Vogel's feeling good because I think he's going to get his payout, and I think he's he going, won his championship, and I think he's going to be a popular candidate for other jobs, probably. I, I also think, like, it's it's tough to figure out what happens from here for the Lakers. Again, like, you missed the play. This is what's fun, crazy about this. You missed the playoffs, and they even expanded to 10 teams yeah, yeah, in both yeah. playoffs now. You couldn't even make the play-in game, which is remarkable. You have LeBron James, Anthony Davis. They, they The Russell Westbrook trade was a disaster for them. They got rid of all their depth. You lose Alex Caruso, all these guys. And, you know, it, it felt like when they won the title two years ago in Orlando in the bubble, it felt like it was like, oh, okay, is this going to be like LeBron's Twilight Dynasty? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like, is he going to win three straight and like peel Kobe's those off? Like second go around with the Lakers. Yeah. He he lost the finals in 08, won it 9 and 10. I'm pretty surprised it ended up being a one-off. And I, and I don't know. I, I guess, you know, LeBron's still playing at a high level. He can't do it night in, night out as That's much as the thing. he could. LeBron's going to have to be okay with being a backup. Yes. Or not a backup, but a, a second Maybe dog. not the first guy, right? Yeah, Which, ideally, be- Anthony Davis was supposed to be that guy. But yeah. Anthony Davis gets injured all the time. And this year, he just took like a big step back for whatever reason. I, I'll be Because he's under contract one more year. Um, and I don't think it's an opt-out. I think it's just he's under contract. So, does he request a trade? Does he... Because, like, what do the Lakers have to give up at this That's point to thing. get other stars? It would have to be a free agent signing. Exactly. It would have to be LeBron convincing a free agent to come. But even then, I, I can't imagine they can offer the max to a free agent from another no, team. No, they'd have to be willing. It'd be like LeBron. LeBron took less money going to Miami than he mm-hmm. would have if he stayed in Cleveland. And it would have to be a situation like that. 
But he's already under contract. Like what? No, no. I'm saying the other, the oh, un, the another player, player yeah, would yeah, have yeah. to be would have to do that. Take less money to go to the Lakers than he would to stay with whatever team he happens to be with. If I set the over under at point five LeBron titles the rest of his career, what would you take? He's 37 right now. Yeah, I right? know that's tough. I probably would lean over. I think maybe he gets one more, but that's tough. I think I'd take the under. It's it's a tough one. That's just hard now. Again, like. What if he goes out and he requests a trade and says, I want to go to the Warriors? And then you have, like, LeBron James, Stephen Curry, whatever, Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, or something. I don't know what they'd give up for him. Um, Then at that point, yeah, sure, he could win a title. But, like, at this point, that was such a disaster this year. I don't think they really have the opportunity to uh, move on from there. But the NBA playoffs do start. The playing games are tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. Uh, That's exciting stuff. I don't know if you saw this. Joel Embiid officially leading the NBA at season's end in points Scoring? per game. Scoring? Good for him. That's a big deal. Scoring championship. I saw somebody who was circulating. Wait, well, I don't think that's a scoring championship. Points per game is different. I think, I think the scoring championship I think is... total points, too. I don't know. Actually, well, I don't know. Well, no, because if, if if he didn't play, yeah, he, he could have less, less points, Probably less right. total points, but still lead in points per game depending on how many games he played. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do in the playoffs. Like I said, I'm... If he wins the finals, or if he wins MVP, which I don't think he's going to win MVP at this point, um, which is weird because he was the lead, he was the betting favorite for a while. Yeah, but it, it's going to be harder to keep him out of the rafters at Allen Fieldhouse. Certainly, you're rooting for him. That'd be cool if we got a uh, Warriors 76ers finals. Wigs and with Wiggins versus yeah. Embiid. That'd be cool. Yeah. All right. Our last story for Case of the Mondays. Your favorite guy, Dabo Swinney. Uh, but the case of the Mondays officially is for Clemson recruiting here. Uh, maybe it doesn't take that big of a hit. I think if you continue to make comments like this, it will. Here's what he said. So this was Dabo Sweeney when asked about the transfer portal. We'll start with that. My transfer portal is right there in that locker room because if I'm constantly going out every year and adding guys from the transfer portal, I'm telling all those guys in that locker room that I don't believe in them, that I don't think they can play. We're also not doing our job as coaches and recruiters if we're bringing in a bunch of transfers. Here's the thing. If you have the luxury of being good enough that you don't need transfers, good for you. But you can't just assume you do. Dude, Alabama brought Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Jamison Williams. You have to be okay bringing in transfers. Jamison Williams, who's going to be like a first-round pick this year, was Alabama's best receiver. He tra- They took him as a transfer from Ohio State. Like... It's part of the game now. So if I you don't want to deal with the nonsense that comes with recruiting, fine. Go coach a different level. Either go take your millions and decide to to spend your retirement coaching high school ball. Or go to the pros. Or go to the pros. Yeah. But if you don't want to deal with the nonsense of recruiting, then co- then, then foot- college football is not your place. Yeah. And listen, like I'm sure if you ask Nick Saban behind closed doors, do you like the transfer portal? He'd probably go... Not really. It makes my job more difficult, and, you know, it's it's kind of hard to construct roster and this and that, but it's part of the rules, it's so part I'm going to utilize job. it, yeah. right? It's part of the job. I get paid $10 million or whatever he gets paid. Go do your job. Exactly. That's why coaches are getting paid so much, so I don't want to hear the, the nonsense about Again, like, I understand the complaint that it does make your job harder because if I have something that pops up in my work and it makes my job harder, like, sure, I'm going to complain about it too, but I'm still going to do it, right? That's the thing. It's one thing to go into your coach's locker room or mm-hmm. your coach's exactly. room and saying, hey, we really like this. You know, hey, I'm, I'm eyeing this guy. 
And then another coach pops up and says, okay, but so-and-so from this school just put his name in the transfer portal. You're like, oh, damn it, now i got to do this, and I don't know what to tell the high school kid I'm recruiting. Like, it's one thing to, to just gripe about it behind, invent, not even gripe, vent about it behind closed yeah. doors. That's fine. But you can't publicly be so against it because if if you if your behavior mass or, or, or um, matches what it is you're saying as far as how against the transfer portal you are, you're gonna fall behind. Yeah, it's you just absolutely are. How it is? You absolutely are. It's not gonna help you with recruiting. So again, Clemson recruiting case the Mondays. Here is what he said on NIL. This is a long quote. There's no rules, no guidance, no nothing. It's out of control. It's not sustainable. It's an absolute mess and a train wreck, and the kids are going to be the ones who suffer in the end. There are going to be a lot of kids that end up with no degrees and make decisions based on the wrong things. There are going to be a lot of decisions based on short-term stuff, and they're going to sacrifice the long-term value of education, relationships, and connectivity. It will settle out eventually, but no, it's not what it was supposed to be. The intention is very good. I love the fact that these guys can go make some money on their name and image likeness if that's what they want to do. But the way it's set up right now is definitely not how it was intended. Just like most things, there are always unintended consequences. And unfortunately, the kids will be the ones to pay the price because you've got a really a lot of really young people that are having to grow up really, really fast. I want to know how... Okay. I want to know how... A, a, an education is devalued by making money off right. your name, image, and likeness, and it's not devalued by, you know, it's an excused absence to miss class because I have to go spend two hours doing during uh, in the training room to deal with an mm-hmm. injury just to, to practice today. Like that devalues your education yeah. too. Yeah. And then, okay, this is this is what I don't understand. With Only this quote. being able to choose certain majors because your class schedule has to line up to a certain four or five hours a day, so you can make it to practice and training devalues your education. I don't understand a lot of parts uh, of this quote. Okay, so first of all, um, when he says, you know, it's an absolute mess, it's a train wreck, um, the kids are going to suffer in the end. Why? Why are they going to suffer in the end? That's the thing. I need I need examples. I need you to explain to me why why you feel this way. Like maybe think if somebody gets an NIL deal, they're just gonna like Oh, I'm flunking out of college. I got an NIL deal. I yeah. got enough to you know, save for the rest gonna... of my life because I made six thousand dollars signing autographs. Exactly. That's yeah, exactly. Uh, so I don't understand that. I, I don't know what he's worried is gonna happen. Um I don't understand the part where he said the intention uh, like he goes the entire quote. He's bashing it, and then he fits in this line. The intention is very. I think good. that's just trying to play both both sides to make it seem like, well, see, I said I'm okay with kids getting paid for their likeness. I just don't like the yeah. system. Well, then you how know, would you like it? Well, you know what? The, to me, that that suggests, which I think is is a, always a very lazy quote. When somebody goes for it on fourth down and they don't get it, and a lot of the numbers guys will then say. It was going for it was the right call. It was a bad play call. Okay, but that's part of the yeah, going the decision. The, that's part of the decision, and so that, that's what this is to me. It's trying to to serve two masters and say, well, no, I'm fine. See publicly, all my recruits listen to me. I'm fine with nil. I just don't like the the establishment of it. Okay, right. Well, then you don't like it. It's like you lose at hide and seek all the time, and you're like, you know, I like hide and seek. I just don't like the rules. I just wish I didn't have to go hide all the time. It's like. You know, I wish we could play a different game. So it's like you you do or you don't like exactly. hide and seek. Like pick one. Um, I don't know. I just 
again, like this goes back to what you were talking about. Gripe about the, about this behind closed doors, although this one, like again, like I said, the transfer portal I understand because it makes your job a little more difficult. So if you want to gripe about it with your colleagues, that's fine. The NIL stuff does not make your job any harder. This isn't, if some player is like, hey, I can't make practice today because I got to go to a photo shoot. That is your prerogative to say, okay, sorry, then you're not starting this week or whatever, right? That's them choice. But again, these are adults. These are 18-year-old kids. These aren't, I'm sorry, I I hate 18-year-old kids. 18-year-old adults, right? Yeah. Um, This is not something where if they make that decision, they'll see the repercussions. You can make those impositions where you say, you know, listen, I don't care if you do NIL stuff as long as it doesn't impact practice or the team or whatever, you can then explain to them how... If you start doing things that make you a worse football player, then your value yeah, in IL is going to go down. But you can explain I don't that think to that's too. happening. And if it is, I, then that's we're gonna, not privy to it, and it'll work itself out anyway because that player will stop getting an IL exactly. deal. Exactly. Exactly. It is. That's the idea of this. It is an open market. It is a fair market. So I don't understand what he wants. I don't understand what rules he wants to be added to this. Like. What issue do you have? So I think I, I just wonder. I don't know. I could I could argue maybe he's pissed that somebody's uh, nil value will be higher if they play at uh, Alabama versus Clemson, but that's your lot in life, man. Yeah. And, I, and, but even so, you have a huge advantage over South Carolina. Yeah, I feel like he probably what he's hinting to. I wonder if it's the idea of these like handshake, wink, wink, nudge, nudge deals of. Hey, if you come to our school, we'll give you this money. But guess what? That was happening in recruiting, yeah, whether yeah, yeah. NIL was a thing or not. And you were dealing with it just fine. And, you know, there was there was investigations a couple of years ago into Clemson football. They're paying people. I don't know where those went. They just got swept under the rug. <laughs> I don't care, to be clear, if you are doing that or not. But, like, Coach it's, is it's getting stupid, paid man. that much. It's the players should get a piece. So, again, if this negatively impacts Clemson recruiting – and you see all the assistant coaches leaving this past offseason, which I don't know if those things have anything to do with each other or what. Clemson has a, a down year to their program standards, what they had been over the last five years where they you know, go 10-3 and three instead of making the college football playoff. Um, do you think we've seen the last Clemson title in football for, for the Dabo Sweeney era? I, I, need, just I need to wait longer. I say no, but I, I think it's possible. But I, right now I say no because I think eventually he, he backtracks. So over under one and a half. Titles between LeBron and Dabo Sweeney. Over. I'll, I'll go under. I'll do it. I don't think we're going to see another one from well, Dabo. Well, just college football titles? Because I don't think LeBron gets any of those. <laughs> no. Okay. I If he came back and played, you Maybe, know. Maybe, yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, we saw Jared Smith playing golf. All right, he's Adam Rivetta. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Coming up next, we've got some Jalen Daniels audio to play for you, and then we're going to preview the RCST trivia field. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Quarter till five, David Lesky of Inside the Crown is going to join us at the top of the five o'clock hour. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, klwn.com, and the KLWN app. Royals currently down 10 to 7, trying to stage a comeback. So we'll see. Uh, maybe there will be a crazy comeback that we get to talk to David Lesky about at the top of the five o'clock hour. 
Um, coming up tomorrow, though, we have RCST Trivia. We're going to be airing that in the 4 o'clock hours every day here on Rock Truck Sports Talk. This is, you know, a month, five, six-week event. It takes a while to whittle down the bracket, um, but we're really looking forward to providing that once again this year. And thank you to all our sponsors who allow us to put this on and allow us to you know, give out prizes and, and get people excited for joining our title sponsor, 23rd Street Brewery. Couldn't do it without you, uh, Matt. And, and thank you so much is providing once again the grand prize TV, um, which will be given away. And at 23rd Street Brewery, obviously, you're going to want to stop by there. If you're part of this event, you're getting a $25 gift card every round you advance. That's a lot of Bill Self mac and cheese or Haney turkey stacks or uh, awesome booze. I don't know if I can say that on the radio, but I just did. Um, nonetheless, great stuff at 23rd Street Brewery, so thank you to them. Uh, as far as the the prizes by round, you're getting a $25 gift card to 23rd Street Brewery for making it to the second round, so even just one win. You're getting an RCST Trivia t-shirt if you make it to the second round. If you make it to the Sizzling 16s, that would be two wins. You get a voucher for a free sandwich plus a free breakfast sandwich. That's two Sandos for McDonald's in Lawrence, Topeka, Atchison, Bonner Springs, Shawnee Mission Park, Wynn Hilltop, Shawnee, and Leavenworth. A $20 CBD of Lawrence gift card. A $10 Hawaiian Bros gift card, thanks to Kurt Geezer of State Farm. A $25 gift card from 23rd Street Brewery. Um... Then if you make it another round further, another $25 gift card to 23rd Street Brewery, you get a voucher for a free VIP car wash at Mr. D's Auto Wash. You get some home field apparel gear, gear thanks to Pella Doors and Windows. A $30- We just got some shirts in from home field the other day, and they're very nice. Very comfy. Uh, $30 of credit for Jayhawk NFTs at rockchalk.io. You go around further, you make it to the Phenomenal Four. You get auto entry into RCST Trivia for 2023. You get an automatic one seed as well. You also get another $25 gift card to 23rd Street Brewery. You get an engraved water, bo- water bottle from Jayhawk Trophy and a Phenomenal Four trophy from Jayhawk Trophy. If you uh, win the third place game, there's another $25 of 23rd Street Brewery gift cards. And if you make the championship game, course $25 for 23rd Street Brewery there and an additional $30 more of credit for Jayhawk NFTs at rockchalk.io you win the championship you're getting the big screen TV yet another $25 championship trophy from Jayhawk Trophy and a lifetime entrance into RCST trivia that's a lot of prizes I mean just from the 23rd Street Brewery alone that's six wins crazy. that's $150 wins. right $150 bucks to the 23rd Street Brewery that's bananas I mean, you're probably looking at, I don't know, this is just me ballparking it, probably $1,000, maybe more of prizes if you were to win it all, hypothetically. So that's pretty cool. And to be clear, that big screen TV works. Yes, it does. This isn't just one we found like, hey, some kid's moving out and he broke his TV. No, this is a brand stanking new big screen TV. So thank you to all our sponsors as we get this event started tomorrow. 23rd Street Brewery, Kurt Geeser State Farm, McDonald's of Lawrence, CBD of Lawrence, Home Field Apparel, Pella Windows and Doors, RockChalk.io, Jayhawk Trophy, and Hawaiian Bros. Thank you to all of you. So we released the bracket. You can find it on our Twitter account, at RCST1320. And uh, we we have a big printout bracket as well that we have up here in the uh, studio. We're going to be advancing teams that way and stuff. Um, all the ones and two seeds are people that made it to the grade eight or beyond last year. Um, the one seeds, Eric, who won last year, Isaac, who won it two years ago, they met in the title game last year, and Isaac beat Eric after Eric lost in the final four, I'm sorry, phenomenal four, the season before. Um, 
You have Tyler Feist, Andrew Wymore, who are the other two one seeds this year. I uh, I'm I don't know. I I, I will say like in seeding this, um, it's it's a little bit based on past performance. Like the top seeds, if you're like top four seed, it is kind of based on past performance and, and how you've done past tournament wins, past trivia question wins. Outside of that, like we try to give precedent to the people who have been better in past matchups and, and in past years, but it also is very much based on like, when can you play? Uh, are you in a, a region with people who can play similar days that you can? Uh, we also look at, um, just kind of beyond the timing stuff, like I would be lying if I were to say that, yeah, like there's always the rumor of, oh, the NCAA tournament committee is looking for storylines when they bracket. I don't know if that's true or not. I certainly do when I bracket. Again, like uh, the, those first two things I said are more important. But for instance, here's some interesting matchups we have. So Andrew Filer, who uh, made the grade eight last year, he's the two seed in the Midwest region. The three seed in the Midwest is Kyle Martin. And Kyle and Andrew are actually former roommates. They're really good friends. They met in the sizzling 16 last year. Andrew beat Kyle in a mm. gut-wrenching matchup. This year, they could not only meet again in the sizzling 16, but Andrew's first-round matchup is against Kyle's wife. I mean, talk about revenge opportunity that Kristen Martin has to take down Andrew. So there, there's that one. Um, we have former RCST co-host and Nick Schwert, who's participating this year. That's I know that's caused. Tomorrow. Yeah, that's caused a lot of uh, riffraff. Of is this thing cheated? I I can't tell what would be the funnier thing to happen. Would it be Nick winning the event and everyone thinking that this is rigged, or him getting bounced, tomorrow? or him getting bounced tomorrow on like his first question? Um, it reminds me. I need to email those answers to him tonight. <laughs> Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> um, but also, you could have a Nick Schwert-Isaac Henderson matchup in the Sizzling 16, which is beautiful. Uh, Tate Voback and Isaac Henderson, that was our first ever RCST trivia title matchup. They could meet in the grade eight. That would be uh, pretty remarkable stuff there. Yeah, Tate, that would be like a, kind of a, a Kentucky Duke. That would be very much a blue blood. Um, what's the What's the round of eight called? Grade eight. The grade eight that would be a very blue blood rich grade eight if uh, if if those two make it and that and I do want to ask why on earth is a man who lives in Oregon in the South region? Again, it's not done regionally. <laughs> it is not done regionally. It's just you know assign random regions. I don't know. Maybe we should think of like a new. Yeah, I was gonna say we need to do calling it an, an Adam region, a Derek region, like a Bill Self region, and maybe a Lance Leipold region. We could do like different Jayhawk logos. Maybe that would be the. Re- I don't know. Yeah, we'll yeah, yeah. like we'll like World War Two Jayhawk, modern Jayhawk. Yeah, that's not a bad way. Actually, to do you it. know what? Um, I'll just say this: if you'd like to sponsor and be the name of a region, oh yeah, good hit call. us up. There we go. A little coin in our pocket. Um, how about the West region too? So we have Andrew Wymore, who's the one seed. His brother Scott is the ten seed. So if he goes on a magical run there, we could get. Two brothers yeah, facing you, each other you in the grade have, eight. You could have a Kansas-Davidson matchup. Yeah. Um, but it, this time it being uh, two brothers. If that happens, maybe I'll just ask Kansas-Davidson once. Just, yeah, just questions about Kansas-Davidson. Yeah, and then uh, in the east. So, again, like, like take no slight. If you're like a 15 seed or a 14 seed, it, like the other thing that I didn't mention in seeding that it comes to is just when you registered. So if you registered earlier than someone else, 
you're probably going to be a higher seed than that other person like that plays part in it too. So don't don't take uh, umbrage if I gave you a low seed. It's not because I think you're you don't know your stuff. It's just, do that's just how it worked out. You're subject to the IARP. If you, yeah, if we should you, probably bring that complain. up. Yes, uh, this year a new new thing will be the IARP, the Independent Atom Review mm-hmm. pr- uh, Process. Uh, if you complain about your seating or the questions, um, I'll do a review, mm-hmm. and you will be subject to uh, to uh, mockery. My, my, any any level and of punishment? Uh, question mark. Uh, any any level of punishment, beginning with mockery and up to um, you know keeping you out of future RC, RCST trivia tournaments. I'm excited for that. It will inevitably happen. Most of the people who are in this. Um, don't complain about it because, again, it's a free-to-enter trivia thing, and we're not trying to screw you over. I'm sorry if one question is slightly harder than the other, but you know what? A lot of times you might think one question is harder than the other because you know the answer to one of the questions. Yeah. If you know the answer, of course it's going to be easier clear, than the other. To be clear, it's not right? like we're going to ask who was the—we're not going to ask one guy who was the MOP of the Final Four when the Jayhawks won it in 88, and then we're going to ask the next guy— who was the first guy off the bench for the '56 Jayhawks? Like, right? It's good. We have them. Um, we have them pretty well organized in terms of of easy versus you know very difficult. It, it, you know, like, we've got them pretty well, pretty well organized. So you're you're not gonna, um, yeah. I would say that. Let me let me just say, I'm not gonna read any of these, but I, I have some questions for tomorrow right in front of me. And I'm just going to say the, without telling you any of the questions or answers, the purpose of the questions in the really easy category are simply so everybody has a chance to get one right. Yes. So that, they, that's how easy they are. Yeah, they range from really easy to really hard. We'll work through it. Single elimination. If you get one wrong and somebody gets one right, then you're out. If both people get it wrong or both people get it right, then but nobody nobody should be out after the really easy. I would hope not. Uh, there were a couple of people that lost really easy the first year. I think last year it only happened once, if at all. So that's a positive. We're trending in the right direction. I'll say this: I, there was a trend last year where people who were in it in the first year tended to go farther it wasn't everyone like Tyler Feist was a first year entry and he won the third place game last season um, but a lot of people who were in it the first year made further runs in the second year and I really do think there is an experience thing that that matters um, the first year we did this it was like a 10 second timer so that made it a lot more pressure packed we, we upped it to 30 seconds last year because we wanted it to be more about do you know it as opposed to uh, uh, does the pressure get to you or whatever um but really, I think the experience matters in understanding what types of questions are going to be asked. What types of things should I be studying? Yep. I would just say this. If you're new to this event, we have everything podcasted. Now, I don't know the exact dates, but I could tell you if you go to our Best of RCST podcast and you pull up, you know, I don't know, like April may something like that of last year you could probably go find some of the old podcasts and and find some of the old matchups and listen back it will help you immensely i was only in it one year but let me tell you what i learned i'm really good with ku history what i am not great at is following the stats of every individual game so what i ultimately got out on was a question about um well i'll just tell you the question because you're not going to get it's not going to be asked this year it was um, how many 30-point games did Devon Dodson have that particular yeah, and, year? Yeah, and I'll say and so this, though. I, I, and so 
what I'm t- so what I would say is if you feel like you're really strong in one of those things, like if you if you know a ton about this year's team, then I would say maybe study up on KU history and vice versa. Yeah, so I, I will say this. You were one of the first people to go, one of the guinea pigs. We don't have uh, many questions. Like, I don't even know if we have any like that anymore where it's like, can you name an exact number of something that happened? But what we do have in there are, you know, we have who did Kansas play in the Sweet 16 in whatever, 1980, whatever, right? Or in 1982... Kansas beat so and so in the second round who yeah. led the way with 30 points, right? So like if you feel like if your first if the first KU team that you really really followed was like that final 4 team with Heinrich and Collison, then I would say maybe brush up on the teams before that. Yeah. And unfortunately, this isn't a uh, best of 7 series which it, it, it's very much like the NCAA tournament in that way. Is this the best way to determine the best trivia person? Maybe not because you know, somebody could get a set of questions right in their wheelhouse where we're asking about the 1990s, and that's when they grew up watching KU basketball, and they know it, and the other person is the genius on the 1980s or about the early 2000s. You know, you could just have the bad matchup there. But in the same way, that is like the NCAA tournament, where it is a little bit matchup-proof, and you don't know how the ball's going to bounce that day. You don't know how the questions are going to come out that day, and we don't plan them ahead of time. We just have a list of questions. We happen to go through them, and, you know, you better hope that you know what, is being asked that specific day. But again, that makes it like the NCAA tournament. It's kind of random in that way, and it makes it for a very exciting, very high-pressure film. And oh, by the way, it's supposed to be fun. Yeah, exactly. Have Have fun fun with it. Have fun with it. Uh, You're winning free prizes. If you don't, You don't have have to buy us anything if you don't. No, you don't. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down, one to go. David Lesky joins us next. Five o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Ravetta, Derek Johnson. Joined now by David Lesky of Inside the Crown. Royals falling to the Guardians 10-7 to close out their opening four-game set with Cleveland. So they finish out 2-2. Two and two. Um, 27 runs given up, though, over the last two games now with the 10-7 loss. Is that just a, it's early, weird things happen, small sample size, if... You know, this happened back-to-back games in June. It is what it is. Or is that an issue you foresee plaguing them throughout the year with um, the starting pitching struggling, the bullpen struggling a little bit there, uh, giving up six runs, I think, in the game? <laughs> um, you know, I, I think yesterday yesterday is one of those games that I, I, I think you could have put out and did Randy Johnson and they would have scored three runs on him. And it was just they, they were hitting, and, and sometimes that just starts to, to snowball, and, and nobody's going to get anybody out. Um, today, you know, it, it, it was – and yesterday, too, is about this, but they walked too many guys, and that, that, that's what they do. At times, this team just puts too many free guys on base. It's as simple as that. And, yeah, I don't know what the answer is because they haven't seemed to figure it out for a good half decade or so. But <laughs> um, – it's uh, it, it's an issue, and and look look at the first inning today. Two runs scored, right? And it was the first batter reached on an infield single, and then walks the guy, walks two guys, and then an infield single scores another run. Well, you don't walk those guys, and all of a sudden, yeah, you say, oh, well, bad luck, the infield single scored, but you're walking too many batters. It's as simple as that. If they can figure out a way to get in the strike zone, and you saw what happened when Zach Grinke and Brad Keller did, and they're going to pitch well. And if they, if they have good stuff, and if they can't figure out a way to get in the strike zone, then it's, it, there's going to be days like this. And that's, that's kind of the, the up and down of this season. And, and it's a big reason why, you know, when somebody is 
of the road to win? My answer was not 2022. I think that they need to figure out this young pitching and figure out who's good, who's not good, what they need to go get. And, and because there's, there's going to be too many, too many two, three, four game series like this where they give up a lot of runs because they're just inconsistent. So early reaction through the first four games for the Royals. What would you say is the biggest strength of the team? What's the biggest weakness? And has it changed at all from your preseason expectations through one series? I mean, the strength is the defense. So they, they catch the ball. That's just, it, it, that kind of makes me wonder even more why they don't throw strikes. Just let them hit the ball because this defense is going to catch it. I mean, we saw today Adelbert Hermanesi made two fantastic plays that will largely go unnoticed because they lost. But he stopped two balls up the middle and, and did a little twirl and threw the second on both of them. One ended up being a double play. Um, but they're, they're, they're above average pretty much everywhere on the field, and it's going to get better when Nick Prado comes up at some point because he's an elite defensive first baseman. So that's the strength, 100%. The weakness, I mean, I think it's overall the starting rotation, and then that hasn't really changed much. I think the spring training numbers were ugly for the starters, and there was some concern, and, and I wrote about this, that, you know, yeah, it's hard to say for sure what what's real and what's not because spring training is tough anyway, and then it was half the game pretty much, but um, yeah, they've, 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 they've struggled, obviously, with the rotation. Chris Bubich didn't get into the first. Carlos Hernandez, I thought he looked better um, after that first inning. He was throwing strikes, and his stuff is always good. So that's, not, that's never going to be a concern for him. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, that's, that's it's going to be a problem. I, liked, I, I still like the bullpen. The bullpen struggled, obviously, yesterday, but most of that was starters in the bullpen. Um, 16 of the 17 runs were given up by Bubich, Kolar, and Singer, which is not a great you know, representation of the 2018 draft. But uh, I think I think that's your biggest weakness, and that, that hasn't really changed too much. It's like another reason why I would really like to see them explore Frankie Montas still, who's out there. Um, but, um, yeah, there's time for that to turn into a strength. It's just they need to figure something out to get it there. If I would have told you in the first series of the season, Whit Merrifield, Salvador Perez, Bobby Witt, Adalberto Mondesi, Carlos Santana combined ten hits from those uh, five guys. What would you have thought the Royals' record would be after the first four? Uh, probably. I mean, I, you think that maybe they could get one, um, or maybe one and three. But yeah, I mean, they, the, the reality is, I think they won two games. Yeah, you know, I always talk about that: the fifty-four, fifty-four, fifty-four. You win fifty-four, you lose fifty-four. What do you do in the middle? Um, the first two games were absolutely in those middle of 54. And today was probably also their 2-1. and one. Um, And then yesterday was the, you're, they're always going to lose that game. Um, and, yeah, I mean, at 10 hits for those guys, that, that, that's not ideal. The good news is today it looks like Whit Merrifield looked better offensively. Salvador Perez's timing was brutal for three games. He, he looked like he was getting closer today. Got two hits. Ben Intendi, Homer, he's had a phenomenal start to the season. So, there, there's some positive signs for the offense, but yeah, I would I would probably have guessed one win at most. I guess that's the the beauty of Andrew Benintendi. Um, should we be placing our MVP futures right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I would say minus eight hundred to win it. Probably, <laughs> um, I think it's a pretty obvious choice for MVP. You know, I, I my only concern about that is they might create a new award entirely for him. 
because he's so good. So he may not win the MVP, but he'll win the the uh, Andrew Benintendi Memorial Award. Um, I like but, it. No, he's, he's anyway. He's not dead. Never mind. Um, he's say the Memorial he's, he's, Award is kind of what do you know that we don't? That's how good he is. He surpasses it. Uh, look, I'm I'm looking ahead, and you guys are you guys are three steps behind me, and I I, <laughs> I can't help you. There. <laughs> no, he's he's been awesome though. He's looked great. His timing is good. He's looked good defensively. I mean, he's. I I wrote that I'd be real careful on an extension for him, but I mean, if he does this all year, yeah, give him five years. I don't care. <laughs> well, I I'm, I'm interested with him specifically because we saw him. But he got injured last year at one point, and you know he wasn't having the greatest season. But then he came back, and he he was on fire there for a while in the second half of last season. Um, is this just a guy who you view as being kind of one of those players who, you know, he can he'll have a hot stretch for this amount of time, and then it'll be a cold stretch? Or do you think this is kind of like a breakthrough for him? Well, it's hard to say because his approach shouldn't lend itself to those kind of stretches because. Well, you know, he's good in the strike zone. He sees the ball well. Um, he doesn't strike out a ton. He works his walks. Those guys shouldn't be streaky, theoretically. And last year, you're right. He started off poorly. Um, and, I, and I think part of that was he was kind of retooling his swing or I guess going back to his previous swing. Um, and then he was really good up until he got hurt. I think it was in Oakland. He broke that rib. Then he missed like three weeks and was bad again until September when he was fantastic. So I... I don't know. I don't know why he was streaky last season, but I feel like he is a player who should be able to contribute even when he's not red hot, which he seems to be red hot right now. Um, but look, he's what twenty seven, which I mean that that that's the age when guys tend to break out when they do twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven. So I don't I don't think it would surprise me if if at the end of the year we're looking up and it's his best season of his career. Bobby Witt, two for 16 to start. He's made some big highlight plays, whether it's been in the diamond or he had that steal today, then comes around to score the first run of the game. Um, you have him, uh, two, both those hits are, are, are doubles, I think. Um, uh, I, I guess what's the point? Because I, I don't want to overreact, and I'm not saying like this is what I think is going to happen. I'm just hypothetically, if he continues to struggle hitting under 200 right now, like wh- what do you think the, the moment in time, how long do you think the Royals would give him um, before they would pull the plug and say, "Hey, we're sending you back down to AAA." Oh, I mean, I think that's going to be a long time. I, I don't, I don't anticipate that happening because he's still contributing. I think I, I don't know that there's a an at bat. I mean, if he's ten for a hundred, but he's playing good defense when he's getting on, he's still running. You know, I, I think, I think they'll, I think you're going to see him drop in the order long before that. I, yeah, you know, I've, I've said this before. Wonder Franco, I go back to him, Uber prospect, right? Best prospect in baseball. Mm-hmm. Can't miss everything. Ended up getting $190 million on a, on a long-term deal. He started four for 26. You know, I, these guys, it's not, the transition from the minors to the majors is really hard. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, it, it, it's the biggest jump you'll make in professional sports, I think. And I, and I think that, you know, it, it, it's, it's tough. And what's encouraged me, before today, he struck out once in 12 at bats. That was nice. He made a lot of he made good contact. I've seen adjustments from him, which that's important too. Um, I, you know, I, I think that it, it's it's you know he's two for two for sixteen, right? It's not it's not five for fifty eight. It, it's it's uh, it's a slow start, but I, I wouldn't I wasn't surprised. By it. I think we talked. I guess we didn't talk last week, but two weeks ago, 
you know, saying I wouldn't be surprised if he does have some struggles at first, just because, it, like I said, it's hard. So I, I don't think that I would be surprised if there's any point when he gets sent back down, um, unless unless he starts to take it to the other side of the field and, and or you know, in, in a rare chance on the bases, he gets thrown out on a stupid base running play. I just, I just don't see that happening because he's such a smart baseball player. And truthfully, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if by this time next week when we talk, he's he's hitting 280 with with a couple homers and, and five steals or something. So, yeah, it's obvious, like you said, it's obviously really early, but I just, I'd, I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to think of a scenario where he's back in AAA unless it's just terrible. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And I, I think, you know, there's going to be a stretch where he – Three home runs in three games or something like that. Yeah, just yeah. It'll, it'll pop. And when it pops, it'll pop for a while, I think. Yeah. Um, we get to see Daniel Lynch soon for the Royals. Obviously, uh, you know, I guess a bit of a low bar after what we just saw from <laughs> Carlos Hernandez and Chris Bubich. So that's that, that's a positive. Um, what are you expecting to see from Daniel Lynch this season? You know, I the, the thing that was really weird about him last year was he was always a ground ball pitcher in AAA or in the minors. And then he gets to the majors and he's not getting ground balls. They're, they're just, they're lifting the ball off him. And I thought that's, that's really odd. Um, you know, it's one of those things that I just don't, I don't really quite know why that happens. I think that there's, there's some situations where, um, you know, players change their game a little bit, all that, but in spring training, he had like a 54% ground ball rate or something like that. And, there's not enough swing and miss in his game to not get ground balls, but if he is on that on that path and and keeping the ball on the ground and you know doing what he did in the minors basically, I think I think a you can work around the strikeout or the lack of strikeouts, I guess. Um, but b again, go back to that defense, right? Where, where's the strength? The defense is the strength. The infield defense is the strength of the strength, and so. If he's giving up, if he's getting up all those ground balls, he's going to be just fine. I want to see a little more spin on his fastball. I want to see him use that slider in, in in certain counts more often to be able to get a few more strikeouts. But I'm really excited to see what he can do um, with using that defense behind him because he, I, I just, I just think it can be really fun to watch him pitch and, and, and let those guys gobble up ground balls for six, seven innings or whatever. And probably won't be that tomorrow, but um, down the road once he's fully stretched out. All right, if you had to guess right now between Lynch, Bubich, Kowar, Hernandez, and Singer, uh, let's fast forward, I don't know, 2023, 2024, something like that when, like you said, that is the idea of when the Royals could, could start winning um, at a higher rate. Who do you view being you know, more of the near top rotation guy? Who do you view being more of the, I guess, lower end of the rotation guy? And which of those do you view being more of the bullpen arms? Um, well, that's a good question. I think that at this point, I, I, I'm going to dumb Coar from everything. I don't I don't see a big league pitcher there. I just, I, it's not that he can't fix what's wrong, but the fastball just doesn't move enough. It's far too straight to allow his changeup to play up to allow his slider or curve to play up. And I, I'm not honestly even sure which, which of those pitches he's using the slider or the curve, because it kind of goes back and forth on that. Um, but as for the rest, I think your best bets to me for the top of a rotation, it's Daniel Lynch and Carlos Hernandez are those, those two guys, because they, they have the stuff. 
mean, you watch Daniel Lynch pitch, and he's one of those guys. You're like, how does he not strike out more batters? He throw a 96 with his fastball. He's got this slider. He's got a good changeup. All that, but not striking out batters. So I, I feel like at some point that should click. And same with Hernandez. You know, like I said, say he didn't look great in the first, but he. I thought after the first, he looked really good. He gave the two run homer, um, but ultimately, I think I think I thought he pitched pretty well after that. Um, and then you know, I, I think I. I you know how I feel about Brady Singer. I just, I just don't, I, I, I don't get it. I, he, the two seamer is really good. The slider is really good. People, people bash Danny Duffy. Um, there were a lot of things said about him and his mental capabilities on the mound, and everything they said about Duffy, which may or may not have been true, I think is true of Singer. He gets rattled really easily. I mean, yesterday he he hit. Um, Hit Ted Williams. I mean uh, Stephen Kwan. Sorry, um, same thing basically. <laughs> and and then the Indians or the gosh, the Guardians bench. I'm I, I keep saying Indians. But I'm not going to be able to stop that until next season. I feel like oh, the I Guardians. San Diego bench. Chargers. So well, there you go. Yeah, it's fine. It's no big deal. But anyway, the the Cleveland bench is barking at him. He threw twenty. I think twenty two more pitches after that. Only one was inside. I mean that. There's no way that that's not a direct reaction to that, and so if he can figure that part out, I think he can be a mid-rotation starter. If he can't, I I, I don't know that he's a big leaguer. I really don't. Um, and then I, I left Chris Bubich because he's kind of polarizing right now. It's funny. I don't. I've never seen hate for Bubich until yesterday. I think he's a, he's a smart pitcher. He doesn't have elite stuff. I think that's the type of guy who will who. Is, is a is a really good four or five starter. You're going to get games from him that he struggles. You don't want two thirds of an inning, six runs, obviously, or five, whatever it was. But he's going to struggle sometimes because he doesn't have the elite stuff. But I think he's smart enough and savvy enough that if, if Chris Bubich is your fourth or fifth starter, you've probably got a pretty good rotation. Um, and so I think that's kind of where those guys will slot. I mean, I I don't mean that um, when I say this, the Royals are, are going to win ninety games or anything like this team that. I'm mentioning did, but um, last year Seattle Mariners won 90 games, and their Pythagorean win loss was 76. So, like, clearly yeah. there was a big difference there, and, and they overperformed some of that stuff for whatever reason. Um, the Royals right now are two and two. Their Pythagorean win loss is 0 and four. Is is that like like what causes that to happen? Is that a comparison at all? Do you think this could continue, or do you think that's bad news for the Royals that? realistically, they should be whatever record after this first series. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I actually may have written this, and if and I, I, I don't remember. I write a lot of words. I don't remember some of the things that I put out. <laughs> but um, I, this is the type of team that should outperform by, by a, I would think, by a few wins potentially. I don't know about 14 like the Mariners did. But, um, they, again, good defense, good bullpen, which I, I maintain they have a good bullpen um, today with notwithstanding. But they – they play teams like that that can catch the ball and can stop you from scoring in the late innings are going to win close games. But I don't think that they're go- They're probably going to be bad and worse in blowouts than, than you'd want, obviously. And so they're going to lose, I don't know, a game 17-3, to three, hypothetically, of course, more often than they're going to win that game. So, yeah, if you win a bunch of one-two run games but lose the 14-run game, your Pythagorean record is going to you know, really suffer from that, and I think they're the type of team that will, like I said, they will win. They will win more games that they shouldn't than they will than, than most teams, and and they're they're going to lose some blowouts, and that's going to hurt the runs, run scored, runs allowed, and so yeah, I, I think that 
at the end of the year, I still think they're a 79 win team, but it wouldn't surprise me if their Pythagorean record is 72 and 90 or, or, you know, 73, something like that, because they, the way they're built, they should outperform that. I would think. He is David Lusky. You can check out his work inside the crown before we let you go. One last thing with Adam. All right, David, one last thing. The player who finishes last every year in war, should they get an award for being the most peaceful? Yeah, I mean, um, what? Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. The, the Razzie, right, for, yeah. for the bad acting. I mean, that, that's it, it, it's something that they should be able to, to wear with honor. Mm-hmm. I think that the, the problem is do you use fan graphs war? Do you use baseball reference? Mm-hmm. Do you use baseball prospectus? Wins above replacement player? They use warp? I mean, that that's the problem. Do you average them all together? I good mean, question. I, or, you know what? No. You give away three awards because <laughs> all everybody's deserving. And it, and it, look, and, and it, and if somebody's last in all of them, they get three separate awards for their mantle. Yeah, the triple crown. Yeah, the triple crown of, of, yeah. Of suck. Of, <laughs> maybe it's like the triple No, crown. of being peaceful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the triple crown of peace. There it is. <laughs> Well, they're they're the Sweden of baseball. Yeah, (laughs) David, thank you so much for the time. As always, man, appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, guys. All right, that's David Lesky. Check out his work inside the crown. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Rivetta. I'm Derek Johnson on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.